Do you actually have to be on cocaine to be on this podcast? What's up, everybody? You're listening to yet another edition of Cocaine Willie. I am your commissioner, Bob Trollsby, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the good chef Andre Napier, and Fireball Matt Marchesini. Tonight, we've got our locks for week one, and we're going to dig into the depth chart and our thoughts on the two deep that was released by the football team to start the week. We're also going to give our predictions for the game against SEMO on Saturday, September 2nd. And Chef is going to give his recipe for success for the game against the Red Hawks. Boys, I'm I'm just excited tonight because I received my package from Matt from the K-State consignment sale, uh, which included a uh, K-State women's practice jersey that uh, really accentuates oh my animals. <laughs> you know, it was a very stressful time in that room. And I did everything that I could to get my boys something – and I just saw that jersey. I'm like, dang, Dean Wade's practice jersey. Bob's going to love this. I ship it off to him. And now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. He can barely get in it. It's a, women, it's a women's fit jersey. Yeah, considering Dean Wade is six foot nine, there's no way this thing would fit that dude. He is a full seven inches taller than I am. I... I, I don't know, you know. I don't even know who is number 32. I got to look here. Do we got a 32? Not this season or the last season. Yeah, may have to go back if you rust. <laughs> may have to go back. 1920. What if this is like... 1920? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> who was on the 1920 K-State wins? We had a really great, uh, we had a great Nike contract in 1920. That's what they're trying to base this, this year's out of. <laughs> anyway, we are uh, tonight. We're we're talking through some of this stuff, and and if you, in case you missed it, we are dropping our prediction or, or not our prediction pod, our preview pod with Sam Herter from Hero Sports. Uh, he's the F senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, uh, and he helped us preview Semo. So if you haven't caught that yet. Check out that episode. It dropped earlier this week. Um, but with that, we, we didn't get into our predictions. We didn't share what we thought our thoughts were for the game this Saturday. So uh, we'll go around the horn. We'll start with Chef and his recipe for success, and then we'll uh, we'll all round it out uh, with our thoughts on the game, what we think is going to happen, and then we'll, we'll share our predictions before we get into our week one locks. Yeah, let's do that. So for my recipe for success for versus SEMO, you know, I don't necessarily think we need a recipe for success. Uh, no disrespect to SEMO. You know, I think this team has what it takes to just, you know, kind of be a little vanilla, to throw another culinary term in there, and kind of close to this. But for me, I think the recipe is gathering the ingredients for this team. What are we, what are we going to see? What, are, what do we need in the kitchen to make this glorious recipe throughout the season constantly? You know, a repeatable, standardized recipe that we can all repeat 
at any time. So for me, when I think of like the ingredients of what this team could be, the the run run splits for DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward. What are they going to be? What are we going to see in that first game? How are we using Treshawn Ward? How are we using these weapons that we have? You know, wrinkles for Ben Sennett. We'll talk about him on the depth chart. You know, all Big 12 fullback. Will we see him a lot at fullback? Will we see him at what we think we're going to see him at tight end, split out wide? How are we going to see Ben Sennett used? And then also, do we have the right stuff at corner? Do we have do we have the right ingredients to mix together on this defense to make you know a repeatable Big 12 champion recipe? I want to see that. That's what I'm looking for. I'm not gonna lie, I laughed my ass off when you said the recipe is to get the ingredients, but then it made more sense as you started to talk about it. So I will give you credit there because it made a lot more sense when you finished than it did the time that you started. I really, I, I really they just had me to in the first no half. shit. They had me in the first half, but <laughs> it makes sense, man. Leave me out of this. That's your segment. How do we, we can't leave you out of it. Quit bullying me, guys. Matt, are your is your recipe the ingredients, or or do you have something else on on the docket? The recipe is. <laughs> what do you have in the pantry? Yeah, yeah, it's whatever's about to expire in the fridge, and you're gonna whip it up and put it in a pan, and you put some Tony Chatteries Cajun seasoning on it, and it's good, right? Like, is that the green stuff. bottle? Yeah. Is that the no, green yeah. Tony yeah. Chatteries? I fucks with that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. We need, some, we, need some, we need some Tony Ch- Chatteries on Saturday. Hashtag okay. no ads. I'm going to get you. <laughs> okay. Tony Chatteries. I love it. <laughs> we're not going to make it through this. Let's do this shit. <laughs> we're, we're not going to make it shit. through. <laughs> it's time. It's time. Let's tell. Let's go through and tell our predictions for this game. I'm excited. Um, I'm going to predict the over-under on fireball shots will be four and a half. Oh, Lord. Are we – are you taking those straight out of the little mini bottles? No, 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 no. I got a big, big boy bottle. Big boy bottle. You know, it's like a – yeah. Have you seen those – have you seen the kegs? What? No. You've never no, seen no, no, the no. kegs? They have a keg of fireball now? Yeah. I mean, it's not a big, like, keg, but it's, it's like, yay big. Like those little pony kegs that you can buy at Costco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like beer. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. $75. <laughs> Honestly, that seems pretty affordable. They sell them a total like wine? A oh, no. Yeah. I, I saw those the other day, and I was like, damn. I wonder if my boy could do a keg stand off of the, the mini fireball shot. <laughs> In the fireball costume. Okay, so yeah. homecoming is going to be real, real <laughs> sketch this year. I see. You're going to make me hide my child's eyes from seeing what he's going <laughs> to witness at that tailgate. Look, you gotta, you gotta show them early, man. You gotta show them early. You know, they're just they'll be prepped. 
I, I, I'll, you know, for for me, for the over-under fireball shots, it's guaranteed one. So I'll set it at one and a half for me because I might take a second. I might not, but. That's like the two-lane game last year. One fire, or the Iowa State game, one fireball shot. Did I only have one? I'm just saying, that's like, this seems like a pretty low scoring game. I had definitely more than that because you could smuggle them in the stadium. Uh, but for me, I, I'm just getting off of work. So, I, like, I'm, I'm just get saying, in. If, if touchdowns to fireball shots have a correlation here, then, then mm-hmm. I, I don't like Oh, Lord fireball. Jesus. Then I need more. Than, oh, God. I'm going to have to have more fireball. Yeah. <laughs> sounds, take- like, sounds like you're going to total wine. Yes, I will. <laughs> no, no, no free ads. No free ads. All right. Yeah. So, so four is four is a great number. Four fireball shots is great. So prediction wise, prediction wise, Matt, what is what is your actual prediction for my, the game? My actual, what is your prediction. actual score. Yeah. Um, my prediction for the game is going to be thirty-eight seventeen. Um, which, if you did just listen to the Southeast Missouri uh, preview podcast show episode everything prior um our fcs friend sam did say that same score but um i do think 21 points uh is is kind of a good margin um i think i i believe in the hype i believe that this team will start in their first game and be business this is business for them um they're going to have an incredible atmosphere at home, despite it being 169 degrees outside. But I, I really think that this team is is going to go in prepared. They know that the Southeast Missouri State team has the potential to fight really hard. I mean, there's a reason why they're preseason ranked 11th best in FCS, so you can't overlook that fact. But um, I think Will Howard's going to really start off the year very strong. Um, I think we're going to see uh, Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens um, get a lot of work, get opportunities to score, and maybe it'll be Rubley time or Avery Johnson time at the end. I don't know, but I'm thinking 38-17. That's a great number. I mean, for me, I'm a little more confident than you are. You're a little typical, you know, typical, typical fiery fireball mat. So I'm going to go 55, 13 power cats. Let's go. I, my little take on it. I got everything that you're going through. I, I hope, I hope we get a little test in the first half, but with my score prediction, I hope we just kind of run them out to be honest with you. I, I want it both ways right now for the, long term of the season i think we need a little test but we'll get one with troy we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there right now 55 13 hot take three red shirt freshmen will score touchdowns three red shirt freshmen do you want to name who they are who you think they might be okay i got garrett oakley okay in law often so that's two tight ends and then a uh, redshirt freshman on defense, BJ Payne, scoring a touchdown. Is he, Ooh, is he not I a like sophomore? That. Or did he redshirt? He might not he's, have redshirted. He's a sophomore. But it's a, defense, it's a defensive redshirt freshman. So, boom. I like that. Wow. I like that a lot. Hot damn. All right. All right. 
Well, I've got the Cats 45 to 10. I think Will Howard throws for five touchdowns and we get Rubes in mop-up duty, but Will Howard will break the single game touchdown record for K-State quarterbacks passing in the history of Kansas State football. How big of a deal would that be? Well, like, would, would you, would it be, I mean, I'm just, it's obviously an accomplishment, but like, it came against SEMO. Would you feel a little different if it, because it could have came last year versus Oklahoma State, but would it feel different because it came against SEMO? No, because I I think you bring up a great point. He tied the record with the Oklahoma State performance. So if he does it again and does it in a game against a nobody, that just, I think, bolsters his case for being one of the best quarterbacks in K-State history, depending on some of the other stuff that could happen this year. If he ends up throwing for potentially 300 or 3,000 yards, if he ends up breaking the single season tight or a touchdown record, which is what, 24, I think we talked about, 24 touchdowns in a season. So. What was that, L? Or was it Jake? I think it's L. L. Uh, Not off the top of my head. We talked about it. Matt's on the case. He's on it. Because Jake Waters had a pretty damn good season too, but I don't think he broke it. I think it's L. Either way, I mean. Josh Freeman. Wait. No, single season, L. Roberson. Yeah, L. Roberson. Yeah, single yeah. season was L. Michael Bishop. Bishop. Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop. Michael Bishop. Bishop. <laughs> second with 23. Matt Miller and Jake Waters are tied at 22 for third place. That And it's nuts because he really only threw to two people, which yeah. is bananas. <laughs> right, right. Well, you have our predictions, including our guest, uh, and, and our guest, uh, Sam Herter had, had also picked 38, 17 cats. So you've got a clean sweep here. You can make the choice and, or make the decision of whether or not that ends up voting well for us or not based on the outcome of this game. Uh, but we'll get there when we get there, when we recap the game next week, next, we're going to talk about our week one locks. And, and if you were with us last year, we had Bob's locks and we had fireball Matt's locks. And we did this every week where we would just pick like five or six random games, sometimes Big 12, sometimes otherwise. We're adding a little bit more structure to it this year. So each of us, including Chef, and if you remember from last year, if you've been an OG listener of Cocaine Willie, Chef's locks never really quite worked out well for him uh, or for any of the rest of us. Chef's unlocks. <laughs> Chef's you guys are just adding me locks. You guys are just adding me to this to make yourselves feel better. That's <laughs> kind of all it is. No, we got we want some friendly competition, like aka like a bottom feeder sometime that you just like <laughs> need a <laughs> laugh, a laugh and point at me while I'm on the bottom. Just <laughs> well, and, well, and I'm proof you guys wrong. <laughs> I mean, if we go back and look at the uh, the Big Twelve or not the Big Twelve, if we look at the bowl predictions, I do believe that I won the bowl predictions. Uh, when we did our pickums for that, if I remember correctly, but you're you not, know, but it's okay. Brag, bragging rights, but whoever wins this season will obviously have bragging rights and going into next season, but we're all going to have our own predictions. We're going to pick three big 12 games each week. We're also going to pick one national game of the week and one sicko game of the week and leave sicko to your own interpretation. I have my interpretation of sicko, which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, but you may interpret a sicko game as, UMass versus New Mexico State in week zero. 
um, that that's what I would typically think of as like this game is going to be between two terrible teams, but maybe it ends up being a, a contest um, or it's an FCS team or a G5 team that comes in and beats the brakes off of a, a power five team. So we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but I'm going to start it off. I'm going to go with uh, with Bob's locks for week one for the big 12. I'm going to pick a future and former member of the Big 12 to go into Fort Worth Amon G. Carter Stadium against TCU. The Colorado Buffaloes, I have them plus 20 and a half against TCU. A lot of people are talking shit on Deion Sanders, but you kind of also have to look at the quality of the recruits and the transfers that they brought into that program. I'm just saying. I don't think TCU is going to be all they're going to be cracked up to be this year. I think they're going to have a hangover after last year's season. And they also don't have Max Duggan. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup between Colorado and TCU that I think could be a decent enough lit- litmus test for both teams coming into uh, week, you know, week one of the season to see see where those two, two where those two teams end up later in the year. Um, secondly, I'm going West Virginia at Penn State. I'm going to pick the Mountaineers plus 20 and a half. Again, these are spreads. These are spreads. I'm just picking West Virginia to cover. I'm just picking Colorado to cover. But I do think both of those teams are a little, you know, I think Neil Brown might have a little bit more in the tank, potentially. I think that team could win six or seven games this season. Who knows what happens? And then finally, I've got UTSA at Houston. UTSA is favored by a point and a half. I'm taking the Meet Meep Roadrunners. I just, I I think Houston sucks. I think Daniel Holgerson is going to be the first coach to get fired out of the Big 12 this year. Um, he is god-awful, and he's been god-awful for a number of years, or at least middle of the road. If he couldn't do what he should have done last year with the talent that they had at Houston returning, you've got a guy like Clayton Toon who's now, you know, taking practice squad reps, what, for the for the Dallas Cowboys, if I remember right. Arizona Cardinals. Arizona he, Cardinals. Yes, I knew, could, I knew. I watched a preseason. He could be a week one starter. He could be a week one. They just released Colt McCoy. Starter. Oh my God! They released Colt McCoy. Yeah. He, Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon. Also, I got a question what? on. I got a question about Bob's statement. He just said, "You think Dana Holgerson's going to make it longer than Neil Brown?" No, no, the opposite. I think Neil Brown's going to make it longer than Dana Holgerson. I think Holgerson's going to be the first coach that gets fired in this current iteration of the Big 12. Really? I mean, Neil Brown has to go through Pitt and freaking Penn State. He's going to be 0-2 no matter what. You listen to me. Listen to me. West Virginia is in a very bad spot financially right now, and they owe him every single penny of his contract, regardless of whether they fire him or let him run out the entire contract. There's no like graduation with the uh, with the buyout to where it decreases year over year. So it's kind of a bad look when you've got a school who's struggling to fund certain departments ends up having to pay a coach X number of millions of dollars. So and and this comes from friend of the pod, Jeremy and Brandon Phoenix from the Raspy Voice Kids who came on last year to help us preview West Virginia. They said if Neil Brown, unless he has a bottom of the barrel year where he wins one or two games, they'll keep him around. No way. (laughs) No way. It's just not possible. Financially, I'm telling you. Okay. Shout out to the kids. 
<laughs> All right, moving on, moving on without interruption this time, maybe, <laughs> to my national game of the week. I picked the South Carolina Gamecocks against North Carolina Tar Heels in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I'm doing Monty Putnam proud. I'm taking South Carolina plus two and a half in a matchup between the Carolinas. And then my sicko game of the week. I'm going to endear myself to the K-State fan base here, but there's no line available for this game because it's against an FCS opponent. So good luck trying to find a line. I could not find one for the life of me. I think later this week we might have one. Um, but I've got Northern Iowa at Iowa State. Northern Iowa is a top team in the Missouri Valley Conference in FCS. They're going into Iowa State. This matchup is always close when these two teams play, and it's always close when you and I plays Iowa as well. The line is unavailable, but I'm taking Northern Iowa outright. If I had a chance to bet on it, oh, oh, line, I would. <laughs> this dude is nuts. <laughs> wow. Hot takes. Oh, Hot yeah, takes baby. Central. Man. Don't get that, hotter than Fireball that, Matt, though. You know it. Uh, all right. Let's go fireball mats locks. Uh, start with the big 12. Um, I'm going the complete opposite of commish. Penn state is going to cover the 20 against West Virginia. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 28 or 30. I think Penn state is good. It pains me to say it, but I think West Virginia is just not going to be very good at all. I, I think they're going to go like three and nine this year. And if they keep Neil Brown at three and nine, Hey, if they can't afford to fire him, whatever that sucks for them. But um, I think they're running into happy Valley and they're going to get completely destroyed. Um, Wyoming is hosting Texas tech and they are 14 point underdogs. Wyoming. I think they're going to cover the 14 at home. That is not as much as a diminisher on Texas tech, but Playing a game like that on the road in your first game of the season is always tough. Um, and you're going to have a way. I mean, a Wyoming's going to be pretty hyped for that game, especially bringing in a big 12 team to Laramie. So um, I am going to go with Wyoming to cover the 14 and then BYU covering 20 points against Sam Houston. Uh I don't like that I did that pick, but I had to say it, and now it's official. But um, Keaton Slovis is the uh, transfer, the pick quarterback who is transferred to BYU. He did bring Pitt to whatever hell that bowl game was. The Peach Bowl they went to last year, and they lost. I can't remember. Wait, did they not? No, that was Kenny Pickett two years ago. Oh, my God. I'm a dumbass. Uh, whatever. BYU to cover against Sam Houston. That's going to be an own one for me. Uh, National game of the week. I am going to have uh, – I'm picking Florida State to cover the two and a half against LSU. I do think Florida State actually will win that game, but I'm going to take the points. Um, I think Florida State will be a sneaky team in the ACC this year. Um, it's it, That will be a tough conference to predict. Um and then the sicko game of the week, a.k.a. the Russell Buchanan game of the week. I'm picking Utah State to cover against Russell's Iowa Hawkeyes. Utah State is a 25-point underdog. Will there even be 25 points scored in this game? That's the thing. Will Brian Ferentz lose his job because this weighs down his average of 25 points a game that he has to meet contractually in order to be retained as the offensive coordinator yes. in Iowa? 
Cade McNamara is going to be, I mean, if he plays, if he plays, because he is hurt, I think. I'm not sure the reports are wild, but like, he could, that could be a salty can, Iowa team. Can Iowa score? I, I am only picking this because I, think they can. I don't think Iowa can score 25 points right now. I think we're like, going to be, you're, I think if Cade McNamara plays, we're going to be fooled. I, you're gonna be. You know what? I'm gonna that. take that fucking bet. All right. It, <laughs> they have to prove to score 25 points, and then I will lose this game. Whatever. That's a. They should build a monument if they can do that. Now, now we're talking picks with me because you know I got. This is where they really their ears need to perk up because I'm dropping gems, baby. My three Big Twelve games. My first one, Kent State. To cover 36 points versus UCF? Am I... No, don't tell me I'm fucking cutting out. No, you're fine. Oh, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Just lost. Just lost. Jim's, baby. Okay. Well, anyway, I got them... 36 points is so much. I know UCF is going to be explosive and all that, but I think they're a heavy run team, and I just... 36 points is so much. With a Kent State team, they pro- they lost a shit ton, but they, they kept it close with OU last year, so whatever. Uh, Arky State versus that very OU team I'm talking about. Dylan Gabriel healthy. I mean, they'll cover 35. 35 points? Give me that. Minus 35? Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> You've picked, like, the two biggest games with the two biggest spreads. So yeah, just- <laughs> that's you know how fucking hard gems. it is? They're gems, but Matt. Those are gems, baby. And then, you want a high spread? Why not another one? Texas State versus Baylor. Baylor, 30, 27 and a half points. They can do it, man. What What's his, uh, Blake Chafin? Gonna be slinging that thing, baby. Okay, now we're getting into the national games. And this is just the easiest pick for me because we have the worst FBS team in the country and they're only six and a half point dogs at Rutgers Northwestern is they'll never be up they'll never win a game and they're never going to cover anything so just bet against Northwestern every week and you'll be fine but I got Rutgers minus six and a half give me that and then my sicko game this is a shout out to the Aggieville Alley Cats uh you know Ace Edwards he loves some Tyrone Howell at ULM, but they're dogs to Army on at home. No way, dude! Come on, ULM. You guys can you guys can keep within ten to Army. Army stinks. Okay, so before you get too in with the Texas State thing and and thinking Baylor's just gonna run run up the score on them, I would like to point out that Texas State has transfers at quarterback from Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, and New Mexico State. Okay, no, was they that, where's the, was they the quarterback from Arkansas? They have TJ Finley from Auburn. Who was, was the Ar- was the Arkansas quarterback KJ Ferguson or no, KJ Jefferson? Okay, then the quarterback stinks because <laughs> KJ Jefferson was the best quarterback on that team, and all he could do was you know run four yards 
Colin Klein style into the back of their own lineman. So can we talk that. can we talk about how you picked two sicko games? Because Northwestern <laughs> and Rutgers. That's a sicko game? That's not a national game of the week. <laughs> Fuck no. Dude, so so TJ TJ Finley at Auburn was 70 for 128 in 2021 and 33 for 53 in 2022. He has an average passer rating of 120.7. Is he the starter, though? He's the starter at Texas He almost beat Auburn. Didn't didn't they almost beat Auburn last year? He played for Auburn. He played for Auburn. Was it the Alabama game? Yeah, or they almost beat the Alabama last year, right? Yeah. Who, Texas State? No, uh, TJ Finley when he was at Alabama. Mm. He played... Who is the starting quarterback at Auburn? They may have a more explosive team than yours. No, no, no. He he wrote it down. You can't change it. You can't change it. No, I'll keep it. Keep it. Watch Baylor. (laughs) Baylor's got probably the best running back room in the Big 12. But I think we will have a conversation in between the next recording as to what the true definition of a national game is versus picking two bottom feeders in the Big 10 and considering it a national game. I would... (laughs) Okay, I sicko if I am on Big Ten Network Channel Nine watching that game. Okay, mind you, mind you, that is the second best conference in the country, so I don't want to hear about it. Oh come on, this is this would be like out of here, out of here. Oh my god, I can't, I can't. No, this is like a matchup between Cal and. Stanford in 2025. Dude, I live in this. I live in Big Ten country. I have the Big Ten network. Northwestern doesn't even have an active head coach. Does it matter? National game. It's one of the. Who's the, the starting fight. quarter? Who's a, who, if you can name one of the starting quarterbacks? Mm. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with Rutgers, and it's probably some dude with an Italian name because they always seem like they have. <laughs> I'm in the middle of watching the Sopranos for the first time. So they yeah, do. They always got Jackie Aprile at quarterback. I bet you. I bet you a dollar. Their starting quarterback is an Italian, like super... Jackie Aprile. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm looking this up right now. I swear, if this is some, I know who you're talking about from Gabagool. Yeah. Someone bring me the Manigas. The Gabagool. No fucking big ziti. Oh my god. Okay, quarterbacks. I gotta name these quarterbacks. All right. Gavin Wimsett, Evan Simon, a Johnny Shepard, Colin O'Sullivan, Raiden oh, Jesus. They've got a bunch of Irish people. Yeah, they have a bunch of Irish people, yeah. They should have been playing last week. Shane O'Connell. Jackie O'Sullivan. I'm pretty sure Peyton Thorne, who's a Michigan State quarterback, is at Northwestern now. I'm pretty sure. No, he's at Auburn. Speaking Peyton, of Peyton Thorne's at Auburn. Peyton Thorne's at Auburn. He's the starting quarterback. Dudes that transfer to Rutgers. Josh Youngblood is now a Delaware Blue Hen. Yeah, I did look that up last week when we when I posted That's a, that question. Those are. All right. I love those style uniforms. That that wing helmet. Oh my god, that is a. That's I mean, a the classic. Michigan knockoff helmet. Well, Delaware has Joe Biden, so <laughs> eat it. It's Jover. It's Jover. <laughs> well, do we want to talk about the two deep? I do. All right, let's I... talk about the two deep. Uh, just a couple of notes on the two deep that I thought were interesting. We've got five guys who are true freshmen who are on the two deep. You've got Avery Johnson, who is listed as an or at QB2 with Jake Rugley. 
You've got Jace Brown, who was listed at wide receiver with as an or with Shane Porter, which was another interesting note that Chef brought up of Shane Porter being in over Seth Porter, who's a special teams captain, which is fascinating. You've got Asa Newsom at Will linebacker, Jack Fabris at Jack safety, and Austin Romaine at Mike linebacker. So to, I guess just to kick it off, what what do you think about those five true freshmen being on the two deep? And we, we kind of already talked about this with the offensive and defensive previews, but we haven't gotten into the specifics with guys like Jack Fabris or Jace Brown. So I'm just curious what your thoughts were uh, having those five true freshmen on the, on the two deep. For me, I mean, you, you obviously knew Avery was going to headline that. I think we all kind of knew that it was a battle for that too. I think if you listen to the rumblings that Jake Rubley is, they're so confident in him and he's taken a very huge step. And for Avery to still be hanging with him and getting that or tag is, I mean, that's great. That's a problem that you'd love to have. Then all those five freshmen, I think are deserving. Jack was, uh, was it Jake or Jack Fabris? Jack Fabris. Um, that one surprised me the most out of all those names because we heard the Austin Romaine. We heard about Jace Brown. He was highly recruited, and he is that slot build that we like to see. Florida guy probably taking that R.J. Garcia role, um, it, you know, getting that, getting the Florida kid in that has all the skill set. But Jack, my God, I thought that guy was – he's – under recruited in my opinion and obviously he had the connection with the k-state and his dad being is this his dad or i mean he's so old i don't know but anyway i mean his dad being the d-line coach for so many years under bill snyder it's awesome to see when you got your bottom of your recruiting class you know for what they say it in, in terms of stars making it on the two deep as a true freshman that bodes well that bodes well for that recruiting class that from top to bottom there's going to be production uh i'll let my matt talk about those freshmen if you want baby yeah um i mean to echo a, a couple points nobody's surprised about avery johnson being um where he is um still battling with jake rubley i wouldn't be surprised if it, it's trending more towards Jake Rubley, just thinking about the red shirt situation um, of what you're trying to do with Avery Johnson. But it is a good point in thinking about a lot of these freshmen and the way that the transfer portal is. And we have guys that are graduating early, et cetera. You can't necessarily guarantee that these guys are going to be here for four years or five years. And so, um, you know, it, it it's all about this season trying to win as many games as possible and so for some of these players on the 2D, they may see time in more than those four games because you're not really thinking about, oh, you know, we're going to redshirt and stay potentially for an additional season. Um, Jack Jack was a, a huge surprise for me. Um, I'm pretty sure he was a three-star recruit, uh, but I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to remember if he was later signing in the class or if he was early. He was early. Probably, yeah. He was early. But anyway, so uh, the fact that he's showing up at the safety position, that could – it's one of two ways. It bodes well because you have somebody who maybe was, you know, viewed uh, differently from a talent perspective or 
we're struggling a little bit maybe at that position and he's bringing some needed energy and maybe it's a little bit of a, a proof situation of you guys need to step up, but um, it is good to see him. Um, Asa Newsom, I wasn't necessarily super surprised, but I, I think out of a, this entire class that we signed this past year, he's going to be one of the top guys that we have. I just truly believe he's got the talent Um he, he plays the part of somebody who's going to grow and really be be a leader in the linebacker position. And then Jace Brown, uh, we've heard a little bit this fall. Um, the fact that we can have a freshman show up from a, in the wide receiver position, I think is mightily important because that is a position that I would say recently – We've consistently talked about the depth um, at wide receiver and what can we do to improve that depth. And we've seen recruiting classes here where we're getting we're getting guys that, you know, are, are proving the point of bringing in more talent so that our quarterbacks feel like they they have reliable guys to throw to. So having a true freshman show up there, I believe, is is absolutely huge. Um, I hope out of these five true freshmen this upcoming Saturday, we do see some of them play um, just so we can see them get some snaps, maybe make some good plays. Um, but overall, this is exciting. I mean, the fact that you can have, I mean, you know, the two deep is the two deep. You have guys who are going to be clear cut starters. Um, and these guys are going to be kind of waiting in the wings, but um, especially with the way that we've substituted um, on the offensive side and the defensive side, I expect that we could see these guys in, in the first half of this game on Saturday. But for me, I mean, you bring up those guys, those five freshmen and Jace Brown. Is it to me, it's more surprising who we didn't see. You know, you a guy like Trey Spivey was all the rave and he's a wide receiver, true freshman that didn't get mentioned. And maybe it's a depth at that certain position that he plays on receiver, the outside receiver, that he didn't get the nod there or. Another guy we we heard, Chidi Obiezor, he he didn't get mentioned, and he was a huge shout out by uh, Coach Kleiman himself, saying that he he has the frame, he has the body, and who we're going to rely on for that maybe fourth defensive end, and Cody Stufflebean makes it. So I expect because, like you said, Matt, it is a two D. It's it's what it is, but the way we rotate so much. You're gonna. I think you're gonna need more than four defensive ends. I think you're gonna need more than six safeties. I think you're gonna need more than six wide receivers. So, for me, I'm not fretting that they didn't make the two deep, but I'm also like, what happened with this week of practice or the week prior to that, the last week of camp where they didn't get the nod over somebody in in Joe Jackson. The same way we heard so many great things about him and he's not an or for that third receipt that third running back spot that was going to be my next question to to the two of you is because when we talk about the two deep and we talk about guys that maybe we had higher expectations for or maybe wanted to see on here i also think of sterling lockett in that group just because he has that pedigree and he has that locket name not seeing on him on here and and some of these other guys like Cheedy and 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 whoever does that make you feel more confident in the depth that we have at each of these positions that we, that we maybe expected to see some other names in, or does it make you more concerned about the depth? Because I saw some conversation on, on uh, KSO about like 
does this make us a little concerned that Jack Fabris is the guy that's listed in in the two deep at safety, or does it make you more more you know confident in that um, position group and and how that that depth is working out with how it's gone in fall camp so far? For me, I think it it's the true definition of depth. I mean, that's the word. If you're hearing more names and you're seeing different names, that means you are deeper. You have more names to go on. So I'm not concerned with, for my preference of who I think is better, but I'm not there. So, But for me, who I think has the higher pedigree, and if they're not mentioned, does that concern me for the individual player? Yes. But for as a team, if you're seeing different names rise to the top and the player you thought wasn't there, that means it's deep. So if you're seeing a true freshman up there, they're doing something right. And Coach Kleiman said that Jack Fabris was nicked up, and that was the reason why he was not getting his name mentioned. So maybe he's fully healthy and he is rising to the top. It, it, it could be a multitude of things. So the depth for me, when you see a Shane Porter instead of a Seth Porter, who's a senior, does that mean Shane Porter has stepped up immensely? He obviously has a role model in his brother. Seth caught passes in the Missouri game last year. So it, it's depth for me, no matter who it is. If, if you're rising to the top and you're hearing more names, that's what true depth is. I think another thing to consider as well, and I have no statistical analysis about this, but if we look at the past two seasons and the 2D depth chart that's released four days prior to the game and how many snaps, like if you're calculating the number of snaps that everybody takes, we're probably over, you know, we're overthinking this because of the amount that we do substitute is, is fairly high. I mean, we substitute players at a, at a pretty good clip, I would say. Um, and so I, there's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be people on the three deep that we don't see here that are going to play snaps this weekend. Um, I, there's a part of me that thinks it's, oh, we have to release this because everybody else does. And maybe this isn't actually the depth chart. I don't know, but um, I, maybe I have to spend Monday and just go through every single snap or something. And like how many times, how many times these guys play, you know, on the field. Um, That's, that's been always my thing when, when looking at depth charts and, you know, just seeing, I mean, especially on the defensive line and the, in the linebacker positions, like, I'm expecting we're going to see a, a good chunk of players in those those positions this weekend, um, just because of the way that historically we substitute on first down, second down, third down, etc. Um, we just roll a lot of players through, which is great uh, because then you're going to have guys who aren't necessarily drained energy wise, um, and it's prepping them, of course, for Big Twelve play. But um, I mean, the two deep shows, okay, you know, in the first quarter, we're probably going to see these players. That's just my outlook on it. Um, but it's really like the way things go in these games, I would not be surprised if some of the names that you said, Chef, they're going to be out on the field. Like they're going to be in for some snaps. Um, and that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes the first game, you know, if you sit there for all four quarters, which some people don't, um, which is totally fine, but um, you know, you sit there for all four quarters, there's going to be a lot of names that people are like, who the heck is this person? And that 
always happens. So, and it's it's. Let me put it this way: You love basketball. I love basketball. At the beginning of the season, that rotation is what ten deep. You want to see everybody and what they can do to when you uh, when you hone it down and you're in the the dog days of the season. Who can you rely on? These very few first games, you're going to see the the snap the snap counts. And luckily, what you want to find out, they do that on KSO uh, after the games. They do snap counts. So head on over to KSO. But to see rotations dispersed evenly is not going to be an uncommon thing in these first few games, like you were saying. But when it when it starts getting to the nitty gritty after that Mizzou game or right before the Mizzou game, you're going to see it starting to tighten up. And that's when you'll, you might see a true two deep of who's going to be playing the majority of the snaps. I don't disagree with you. I think that you're, you're hundred yeah. percent on the money. Um, I think everybody gets excited for the first game depth chart because it shows how actually close the first game is like the fact that the season's starting on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I'll take a look at it and I'm like, oh, this looks, you know, you'll see some names on there. You're like, that's interesting. But I would say like the UCF game, maybe even the Missouri game, you know, that's going to be a true sense of these are the guys that we're relying on for a majority of the plays this season. And that's that. So I guess we, we've talked a little bit about Fabris, Jack Fabris at Jack Safety. Were there any other guys that, that stood out to you or surprised you about this two deep or, or any other guys that you got excited about when looking at the two deep? For me, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of names. It's just you, you get excited for the freshmen, but just the, the names that we're used to seeing in and out, you know, day in, day out, season after season, this O-line is going to be solid. And they, and true to form, you know, Matt, it might not just be a, 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 a token symbol of them saying, hey, this is what everybody else is doing because they, they left off Christian Duffy. They left off Uso. So maybe this is what the true two deep is. And you see Carver Willis at that right tackle. We kind of thought what is going to be the best O-line and what they're going to put out there. Carver Willis has solidified himself at right tackle and the replacement for Christian Duffy. That O-line is looking very strong, very fucking big, so big. I remember the the depth charts when Kleiman first was, well, maybe not when he first got there, but, you know, when Noah Johnson takes over, he's 270. And you were like, damn, our center is 270. But now, I mean, you're seeing 330, 335. 300, 300 again, 291. It's it's a very, very salty lineup. You've got oars everywhere. Is the oars confusing? I mean, not confusing, but like surprising how many oars there were. I mean, it's not who was the team that had 29 oars in the Big 12. Mm, there was a team. Somebody there was, was a, keeping track. Adam Schefter's worst nightmare. There was 29 oars on a Big 12 roster. We had 10. But, I mean, geez Louise, that O-line, that's what I took away from it. I'm just excited to see those hog mollies get after it. Yeah. Uh... You don't like hog mollies. God <laughs> No, I just wasn't expecting that. Uh, 
there's a couple a couple notes I'll make. Um, kick returner was one to see Keegan Johnson. Uh, Keegan Johnson, excuse me, um, going to be back there with Philip Brooks. Um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a surprise, but yet again, kind of puts the point of we have a wide receiver who's going to be back there. Um, obviously, shows his speed um, and agility. So somebody that you know, Keegan sounds like somebody who took that um, and kind of ran with it. The other one um, it, that makes me a little bit nervous um, as I always look at worst case scenarios, because that is me. Um, so Kobe Savage is obviously going to be the starter of strong safety, but um, Matthew Amashmeyer, um, who is a junior from Naperville, Illinois. So right outside of Chicago, he is a name that I have not heard too much about. Um, and so obviously in the two deep, that's great. Um, but we saw with Kobe Savage last season, you know, the last few games of the year after he got hurt, you know, it was kind of a, we were putting the puzzle pieces together. So for as much as the two deep is, is kind of looking at, you know, who's going to be potentially playing second string, it's, we got to prep for worst case scenario sometimes. So um, he was a name that I hadn't actually really heard too, too much about. So um, obviously has shown a lot here in fall camp to be on the two deep at strong safety. Um, and I, a part of me thinks that even though Kobe Savage is probably going to be a hundred percent for this game on Saturday, I would bet he doesn't maybe play as much as we think he will just to ease himself back in for this game to prep for Troy, Missouri, etc. cetera. Um, even though he's, probably at a hundred percent, but it takes a little bit of time, you know, to get your legs into speed. So just something to keep in mind as well. Similar to that Khalid Duke, you know, how, you know, he came back from the injury. It took him a while, but Kobe's vastly improved his, uh, his timetable. But, you know, we did the same thing for Khalid Duke. We put him at a new position, but we eased him in, you know, plays every so often Des Purnell comes in there or yeah, Des Brunel comes in, subs him out, and let lets him get his knee accustomed to playing again. Uh, my question, I don't know if you were going to ask this, Bob, but how short of a leash are we giving Chris Tennant? Because we had oars behind an oar behind him with two other kickers. For me, I think Chris, this is Chris Tennant's job. I don't. I want to see how he's kicking. <laughs> what do the kicks look like? Because if they're, you know, they're high archers, I'm excited for that. But if he's doing those, you know, line drives that are slicing, like my drives back in in 2019 off the tee at Split Rock, I'm just, I'm going to be nervous. And I, 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 my leash will be shorter for Chris Tennant then. But if he's looking good, it's his job. It's, it's Chris Tennant's job to lose, right? Like he started off the season as the starter last year. He's starting off the season this year as the starter as well, but it's his job to lose. I think it's, it's a job that you can easily lose as a kicker, because if you come out the gate and you're not performing to the, to the standard that we expect, because we've got a great history of great field goal kicking at K-State, you could lose it really quickly. And we saw him do that last year. So it kind of brings me back to one of the things we talked about last last week with with Jack Cantelli and how he sat behind. Uh, I already forgot the name of the dude he sat behind, but he sat behind someone in the 2013 season. Ian Patterson. 
Ian Patterson. And then he came in in 2014 and was the guy. And with the exception of the Auburn game, really had a great career at K-State. But then you had that Auburn game, and then he did lose that job again uh, for a certain period of time, and and there was a lot of backlash. So I I think it's his job to lose. I, I hope and pray that he's the guy that stays through the entire season, that we don't have to get to a point where we are seeing someone else kick field goals. But if he messes up in the first two, three games, I really hope Leighton Simmering or Simon McLannan are, are good at field goal kicking. Do you want to, do you want to see and get opportunities? Cause like, you know, if we're, if we're crushing teams, do you want to see us like kind of, you know, not get a third down conversion when you're up 30 to see him kicking in, in game time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to see him get those field goals early, don't you? I mean, I you're not going to put yourself in a position where like you're you're going to try and score a touchdown every single time. Like, um, I do hope in the game on Saturday, as much as we want to score touchdowns, like I don't see us scoring a touchdown on every drive. Maybe we will. Who knows? But um, maybe it's if we get into a position where you have a 40 yard field goal, you need to be making these like you have to. Yeah. I, I, I think it's not just confidence as an individual, but you need, you want the team to be confident in you as well. And then everybody there, you know, like we saw what happened last year. And um, I, I obviously, I really want him to, to come back and have kind of a revitalized season. Um and not necessarily be looking over his shoulder because it's hard for me to see how we can trust a redshirt freshman or a true freshman at during a season where we're trying to win a big 12 conference championship. I mean, maybe they are just really good, but um, I, I hope that he can come through. He's making it, he's making his extra points and making the easy, easy field goals and, and I don't know. I, I hope he does to do it. Yeah. He has yeah. the like to do it. There's, there's no reason why he shouldn't be making these field goals. And if anything, he just needs the confidence. And, and I almost think about it similar to Will Howard and, and Matt, you bring up like you want the people there to be able to see and have the confidence in you that you can make those field goals. It kind of reminds me of when Will Howard came into that Southern Illinois game and we had people chanting for Jake Rubley. You don't want that for a guy's confidence. You want him to be able to come in and deliver. And I'm kind of hoping that Chris Tennant can have a similar career trajectory to what, what, what Will Howard has had where he was doubted by the fan base. And he had those moments where fans were maybe chanting for the guy behind him to be doing his job, but he comes in, he has that confidence. He shakes off the cobwebs and he gets it done like that. That's a better story than he comes in, he misses a field goal and, and then he loses the job. I'd much rather have him come in, redeem himself and, and endear himself to the fan base in the same way that we've seen with Will Howard this, this year and, and last year. And they're both units. Yes. Yes. I Chris, love that. Chris Tennant could be a tight end on this team. He's 6'5", 222. Golly, boy, that is – that gets the blood flowing. Yo, I'll bet he can fit in that women's basketball. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that thing is little. <laughs> little jersey. No, don't. Fans for the don't fans you dare. It's not reversible like mine, is it? No, it is reversible. Uh, I couldn't maybe even find a 32. Maybe yet, the so. white's not the best idea. Maybe you should go with the purple side. No, that's good. That's good. Dean Wade. Dean Wade. It's Dean Wade. 
Boy, look at that dumper back there, girl. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> now people are like, oh, we got to watch the YouTube stream to see what he's looking like. But <laughs> this this should only hurt our numbers. So you show no, them better. <laughs> yeah, them cheeks, man. We're not the fucking okay, okay, really only fans coming yeah. soon. Oh, Damn. No. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Where we all just wear women's basketball practice jerseys and stop. And do it for money. <laughs> stop. We can't make money any other way, so we might as well try something different. Stop. <laughs> and for all of us here at Cocaine Willie, thank you for listening to the show on your podcast feeds or watching us on YouTube. Do us a favor. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, leave us a five star rating. And if you're watching on YouTube, give us a like on the video. And as always, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube at Cocaine Willie, or follow us individually. I am your commissioner at Bob Trollsby. Chef is at Chef Andre Napier. And Fireball Matt is at Matt Marchesini. Chef. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We're all coke and no joke. Wildcat Country, let's beat the shit out of the Seymour Fox and... Let's rock. Let's rock. Whoa.